How many of you are like me and you put a social event on your calendar? You put it out in advance, far enough in advance that you'll remember it. You know it's coming. You're trying to prepare for it. But then the day arrives and you find yourself having this internal dialogue, or maybe this dialogue even with your spouse out loud, something like, do I have to go? I have to make small talk to people. And I don't want to make small talk to people, especially people I don't know. Introductions are so awkward, and then when they try to talk to me, I don't know what to say. I keep my answers very brief, but they want to share their life story with me, and then I feel obligated to respond or give some advice, but I don't really know them, so that's probably not even appropriate. They probably don't even want my advice. But if they don't want my advice, why do they feel the need to tell me all of that? And some of them will want to share their accomplishments with me, and I don't care that they came in 87th at the latest 10K, but I'm going to have to pretend to care, and that's exhausting, but if no one says anything, that's awkward and exhausting as well, because then I'll have to try to carry the conversation, and I'll have to rack my brain to start it, and I don't want to share my life with strangers, so better off if we all just stay home. Anybody ever feel that way? Maybe you're an extrovert. If you are, praise the Lord. I'm thankful for you, and that's awesome. But this morning, I want to put a social event on your calendar. Actually, I want to put six social events on your calendar, because today is our Connect Group Emphasis Sunday. And our Connect Groups are going to be coming back in the fall, uh, for the fall term, the first week of October, as you heard from Pastor Franco a moment ago. And I would love for you to be in one of those Connect Groups. And if you're not familiar with our connect groups, they're small groups of people that typically meet, whether it's in a room here at the church or often in someone's home, and they develop relationships with one another with the intention of helping individuals to receive the care they need from the church, to grow in their walk with the Lord, and to participate in the mission that Jesus has given the church to make disciples. We want our connect groups to help you grow, as Pastor Franco has often reminded us, upward in your relationship with the Lord, inward as you realize the purpose God has for your life and the partnership you have with the body of Christ, and outward as we encourage and partner with one another in the mission of Christ to reach the lost and make disciples. Now, you might be asking, Pastor Stephen, you just shared how you don't like awkward situations and meeting new people or making small talk, but now you're trying to sell me the idea of joining a group where all of that is probably going to be necessary at some point. Or you want me to give up six weeks of evenings for these meetings? Yes, I am asking you to do that, and I do want you to, because while there are obstacles to genuine community and connection in the church, it's not only worth it, I think it's a necessity that we would develop the kind of rich community that the scripture talks about that we have, or at least should have, with one another. The kind of rich connection that is available to us through Jesus. This necessity is demonstrated all over the Bible. God's word instructs believers to love one another, 
Be devoted to one another, give preference to one another, be of the same mind toward one another, build one another up, accept one another, admonish one another, greet one another, wait for one another, care for one another, serve one another, show patience and tolerance for one another, be kind and tender-hearted toward one another, forgive one another, speak and sing to and with one another, be subject to one another, regard one another is more important than ourselves, bear with one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, build up one another, live at peace with one another, confess to one another, pray for one another, be hospitable to one another. That's a lot of one another, isn't it? And so this morning, we're going to carefully go through each one of these one by one. I'm just kidding. We're not. We don't have time for that. I know you're thinking, I'm going to miss week one of football, and I came to first service. We're not going to do that, but I do want to point out that it's really hard to obediently grow in these commands if we're not with one another. It's really hard to love, serve, care for, sing, rejoice, comfort one another if we are not with one another. And so this morning, I want to hopefully convince you to be with one another, to be a part of community. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, Pastor Stephen, I'm here, aren't I? Yes, you are. And we are very grateful that you are here. You should be here. We're not suggesting you substitute connect groups for Sunday mornings or for Wednesday nights. But there are some things that are better fulfilled in smaller groups of people with closer knit relationships. And that's what connect groups are for. You should be in a community that meets needs, spurs growth, and stirs hearts. You should be in a community that meets needs, spurs growth, and stirs hearts. And so I want to break that down with you this morning. Connect groups are a place where needs can be met. One of the great needs we have as human beings is for fellowship. And fellowship is much more than just a social event. Fellowship means that you are a partner in something bigger than yourself. Maybe you've read Tolkien's books or watched the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring. That fellowship was not formed by people you know, having donuts and, eating, er, and drinking coffee together, but by sharing a common goal that altered their lives. And that's the kind of fellowship that God brings us into as believers. We now share a common goal that alters our lives. First, God brings us into fellowship with himself. But he also wants us to experience that fellowship when we're joined to the body of Christ, the family of God. And you need to know and experience that there is a place and there are people to whom you belong and who have affection for you. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. It's a tricky verse to translate because Paul used an uncommon word that meant being very affectionate or loving someone dearly, and then he paired it with the word Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. The Holman Christian Standard Bible translates it like this. I think they do a pretty good job of, of capturing it. They say, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. And whatever the specifics of translation, the point is clearly that 
we're, we aren't supposed to fake love for one another or merely do enough to be in the same room for a Sunday service, but we are to deeply love and care for one another. But it's really hard to care and love deeply 200 other people, at least in the way that, that, that they can tell that you love them. That is, if you're coming to one of our services and there are 200 other people present in that service with you, it's really hard for you to express that kind of affection to that many other people on a Sunday morning. You need a place where you can be with brothers or sisters and be known by them and be loved by them and where you can practice loving them as well. And that's part of what connect groups are for. We don't want you to be lost in the crowd. We don't want you to just be a spectator to what's going on in the body of Christ. If you're a believer, you're part of the family. And one of the challenges and privileges of this family is learning to love one another deeply. And if you don't have a place to do that or you've been trying to get connected but you're struggling to make it work, you should try a connect group. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Many of you have found ways to serve one another on Sunday mornings, serve others on Wednesday nights, but there are also more personal and more direct ways that we, we serve one another. We, we might not be assigned, you might not be assigned to be a, a greeter at your connect group as people are coming in. That would just make the whole thing more awkward, I think. Or to pick up trash when everybody's done or, or have an official role. But you may find out that one of the members of your connect group is in need and you'll have the opportunity to meet that need because that's what families do. You may discover they need help with their rent or have a problem with their car you know how to fix or the dreaded one, you'll find out that they're moving and you'll be asked to help. Or maybe they're struggling with a relationship and you've been through that situation and you have wisdom to share. And all of these are opportunities for you to love one another genuinely and serve one another in the Lord. And there will come a time also when you need help. And when that time comes, we hope that your connect group will be a place you can turn to humbly receive help. You know, one of the unfortunate things about a larger church is that people will call for help, and when we can, we help them, but it would be impossible for me to just assign the pastoral staff to handle every call that comes in for somebody wanting help of some kind. More than that, if that person calls and they unfortunately don't have really any deep connection to the church other than they've attended once in a while, it's really hard to find people who want to go help them or to even know where to start looking you know what a much better way is? If you're involved with a group of people, brothers and sisters in Christ in a smaller group who know you and love you so that when the need arises, you don't have to call the church and we just have to try to hope we can find somebody to help you, but that you can go to those brothers and sisters who know you and love you and you've helped them and now they're willing to turn and say, I'm gonna show love to you as well, genuine love in Christ and I will help you in your time of need. That's not to say that if you need help, you shouldn't, you shouldn't call the church. You are welcome to call the church. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the unfortunate reality is that many times people who are barely connected and we don't even recognize their name will call. And it's really hard to find help 
when nobody knows who the person is, nobody's acquainted with them, nobody has any personal connection to them. What's a lot easier is if you have been involved in a group of people who love you and whom you've loved, and then you turn to them and they help you in the spirit of Christ. Whether you get it in a connect group or in another setting, believers need a place of affection where they can give and receive genuine love in the family of God. Do you have that place? Do you have that place? If not, what's holding you back? Maybe you didn't know you needed such a place, but, but how will you fulfill God's one another commands if you don't have a one another place? You need a one another place so you can fill, fulfill the one another commands that God has given and be built up in community in the body of Christ. Not only do you need a place of community that meets the need for genuine Christian affection, you need community that spurs your growth. We want our connect groups to be a place of discipleship. Pastor Mike Burnett from LifePoint Church, another Assemblies of God church in Clarksville, Tennessee, wrote this. He said, community is the biblical context for making disciples, and there is no alternative Discipleship that is growing upward in your relationship with the Lord and your conformity to Christ requires you to be in Christian community because community spurs growth, or at least it should. And I use the word spur for a specific reason. There's a picture of a spur on the slide, and maybe you're familiar with spurs. Most people think that spurs are a way of like kicking a horse in the ribs and making it go faster, but actually that's not what you're supposed to do with spurs. They're dull, and they're at the extension of the, of the rider's heel so that they can nudge them or apply a little additional pressure to the side of the horse, and they can then get the horse to move forward or backwards or to one side or in a circle using a cue where they just apply pressure with that spur. And you know what? That's what community of believers do with one another. When we're in community, we apply pressure to one another. And some of that pressure just comes because of our personality differences. And then we have to learn how to bear with one another in love. Colossians 3, 12 to 13 instructs us, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Sometimes we just need to learn how to put up with other people to put up with their personality quirks and their flaws and the things that make us different. We need to learn to be patient with their weaknesses. We need to learn to put up with annoyance because it's a reminder that we are weak as well and we're probably annoying too and we just haven't realized it yet. And we need God and others to love us and to forgive us even as we should love and forgive them. Not only that, but as we learn to bear with one another, rough edges are worn off of our lives as that pressure of community is applied. And some of that pressure of community comes through immaturity. And when that's the case, it's an opportunity to learn from one another. A few verses later in Colossians chapter three, Paul says this in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Admonishing means bringing direction and correction. 
Now, if you join a connect group, you'll do a Bible study together, but the point is not just to study the Bible, the point is to apply the Bible, and community can help you to do that. It can help you apply the scripture to your life. There will be some people in your connect group that are further along in their journey with Christ, their walk with Christ than you are, and their lives help to set an example. Their testimonies become a way for you to grow in relationship with Christ. But this requires a very important attitude. If you're going to benefit from connect groups and you're going to be spurred into growth in your connect group, it requires humility. Humility is something that when we put ourselves in awkward situations, we are, it's often not the first attitude on our minds. Often what we have when we're in awkward situations, rather than humility, is defensiveness, right? We're on the lookout. What do these people want? Why are they so strange? Why do they make this food that I don't like? Why don't they have my favorite drink when I'm here? We're on the lookout for everything that's different, everything that we don't appreciate and is different from us, and we are defensive. And so we put up walls of defensiveness. But it's really difficult to learn from one another when we're being defensive against one another. So if you're gonna be a part of a community where you grow in maturity, one of the really important attitudes you will have to adopt is an attitude of humility, an attitude that says, I don't know everything. I've not had every experience. And other people have things from their life with Christ that they have learned that they can add to my life so that we can be enriched together. And we as believers should have this attitude of humility as we approach one another, not only counting others as more important than ourselves, but also having the realization that others can help to build us up. You can apply pressure to one another to help guide each other into obedience. You can encourage one another not to fall into temptation. Marriages can be built up by the example set by couples who are further along in that marriage journey. Parenting can be refined as pressure is applied by those who have done it well. Devotion to God and discipline can grow as good pressure is applied and we spur each other on. Community is a great aid for discipleship to be more than just speculation and theory, but to actually be applied because we're applying pressure to one another's lives. Do you have community that helps you grow in discipleship? Are there people around you that apply pressure to your life so that you grow in the Lord and are conformed to Jesus? Are there people around you who are applying the kind of pressure that helps you so that you don't just come to a service and listen and leave and do nothing about it, but that you come to a service, you listen, you go to a group, you discuss, and you say, hey, I don't think our lives are measuring up in this area. We need to be more submitted to Christ. We need to be more obedient. Do you have a community of people that are allowed to apply pressure in your life so that you are conformed to the image of Christ. You need a place of discipleship. So far we've covered community that meets needs and spurs growth. Now let's talk about community that stirs hearts. You need a place of mission. 
Now, Bethany, we often use the language of partnership, and that's intentional. We want to convey that when you are a part of the body of Christ, you are a partner in what God is doing as the, as the church, as he's working through us as a whole in this valley and around the world, that you are a part of that. We want to convey that, that it's not just the pastoral staff that's the church or the board or those who've been around for a long time or the most talented people that, that, that are the church. Rather, we are all the church. And all of those who are believers who have committed themselves to this local expression of the body of Christ are the church. And we have different gifts and we have different functions and different roles, but together we're the body of Christ and together we're called to accomplish the mission Jesus has given us. And that mission is to make disciples. We express this by saying that our mission is to glorify God by proclaiming the good news about Jesus so that lives are transformed. As they're filled with the Spirit, they're marked by baptism, they're connected in community, and they mature in worship. And we all contribute to that mission. We don't just contribute by our attendance, though that's part of it. We don't just contribute by our giving, though that's an important piece. We don't just contribute by service to one another, though that's indispensable. We also contribute to mission by our witness. We sang about that this morning, right? I've witnessed what God has done, and I will witness to others what he has done. We contribute to community and to the church. We are partners with the church in our witness, and that witness can happen through outreach that we do together, or through individual outreach to your friends and coworkers and family members. We're all called as partners in the gospel and we want our connect groups to play an important role in this. You see, in a connect group, you will hopefully be encouraged to be a witness. You can share with others in your group what God is doing around you and the opportunities that you've had to be a witness or the opportunities that you've missed to be a witness. And as you share these things, you may become an encouragement to them. Maybe you've struggled to, to be a witness, and, and when you do, someone else may be able to encourage you because they've gone through similar things and similar struggles and sharing their faith with, brother, with others so that others can come to Christ as Savior. Not only that, but connect groups can also help us avoid drifting off course because with all of the distractions of busyness and the trials of life and the pleasures of life, it's easy to get distracted from our mission of reaching the lost with the good news of Jesus. But when we gather together with the intention of praying for our communities or our lost family members, our hearts can be reminded of the importance of staying on course. Maybe your enthusiasm for the work of God has faded. There may be someone in your connect group whose passion is strong right now and they will encourage you to be urgent in the mission of God. Or maybe there's another member of your group who's experiencing something similar and you can pray for one another's hearts to be stirred up. Hebrews 10:24 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, that is the day Jesus comes, drawing near. We're doing that here this morning, but connect groups provide a more direct and personal opportunity to stir one another up to the work to which Christ 
has called us. Not only that, but we've built this into our connect groups as part of their purpose. In fact, every connect group is supposed to find a, an outreach to do together each term. And so that might look like going and serving at a local shelter or volunteering to take a, a, over an area of our fall family festival or seeing that there's one of your group members who has a neighbor in need and you go and minister to that need of the neighbor and share the love of Christ with that individual. Whatever that outreach looks like, it's built into our purpose and vision for connect groups that they would be a place that that not only do they build you up personally and help you to grow in Jesus, but they also stir your heart for the work of God and his mission that we share as the body of Christ. You need to be a part of a community that stirs your heart for the mission of God. Are, are connect groups the only way to do that? No, they're not. There are other ways. But I think they are a great way for us to stir one another up to love and good works. Christians need a place of affection to give and to receive love. You need a place where other people put pressure on you that helps you in your discipleship. And you need a place to stir your heart toward mission. And this is more than just a good idea. It's God's plan, and it's what Jesus came to establish. You can see this in Romans 12, 3 to 5. It says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. We, together, are the body of Christ and individually members of one another. This is what Christ died to accomplish. So community is not something extra, it's who we are in Christ. Affection for one another is not something in addition to saying the sinner's prayer, it was paid for by the same cross of Jesus Christ that saved you. Community and serving one another is not something that is an addition for those who are really, really good Christians. It is a grace of God given to those of us who are not such good Christians. So that in community, we might be built up to be more like Christ, Christ and we might be a better example of who he is. Are you in a community of Christians that meets needs, spurs growth, and stirs hearts? Do you have a group of people that know you and are growing with you. Maybe you do. It could be a team that you serve with here at Bethany, or maybe you've developed really good Christian friendships over the years with people, and you've done this in an unofficial capacity. That's awesome. Keep it up. But if you don't, connect groups are for you. They are an opportunity for many people that we know that struggle to find a place of community. It's easy to let this important part of Christian life slip by the wayside. It can be difficult to know where to begin. It's not hard to fall into a routine of mere attendance that can then turn into sort of a dry action after a while. You could miss out on the blessing of community with other brothers and sisters in Christ who can build you up. You could miss out on the blessing of building others up and sharing the gifts that God has given 
with you. You could miss out on the feeling of partnership and the realization that we belong to one another. So connect groups are here to help. And I know that this could sound like an advertisement. I hope it doesn't come across that way, though I do want you to join a connect group. But our vision for connect groups is to provide a place of genuine Christian community. And we've, we've learned about what that could look like today, and we want it to flourish. But if you're like me, you're hesitant about these kinds of things. Meeting new people is not my hobby. Maybe it's not yours either. It does not come naturally to me to just want to go meet people. You might think differently because you see me and I shake hands or whatever. That is a work in progress in my life because my natural state is alone, right, by myself. That's how I, that's how I, that's how I feel rejuvenated is when I get time by myself. But maybe, and maybe you're like me, but that doesn't mean, hey, I don't need other people. In fact, quite the opposite, I still need other people. I need other people to pressure me so that I learn to love other people better. And you need other people to pressure you so that you learn to be patient and so that you learn to be a part of the mission that God has given. And that can be really hard. One of the big hurdles, I think, to getting involved in a connect group is hurt. It's fear. It's fear that I'm going to be rejected like I've been rejected in other places in the past, maybe even in other churches or small groups or maybe even in another connect group, right? And so you have this fear that it's not going to work out. And, and one of the big hurdles, one of the things we, we, we do in our minds when we come to a connect group is we idealize things. You watched that movie where you showed these friends, they just kind of fell into friendship, they met at a coffee bar one time, and then it shows a montage of their summer, and they're riding on the roller coasters, and they're drinking coffee, and everybody's having fun, and it was easy. Most of the time, friendship isn't easy, is it? Most of the time, community is not easy, particularly in the church, because Jesus doesn't ask you to love people who are easy to love. He asks you to just love people that he's brought into his family. And you didn't get to decide if they were part of the family. Jesus got to decide. And you might not like Jesus' decision, but he still wants you to love them, right? And so one of the things we do is we idealize, oh, I'm going to get there, and everybody's going to love me, and I'm going to be the life of the party. And then we get there, and nobody talks to you, and, and somebody else is the life of the party, and the coffee was bad, and, and it's just like, man, this is, and, and so we say, well, you know, connect groups are not for me. No, no they are for you. That was part of the pressure. And you know what? Connect groups won't be ideal. You won't get there and it's going to be, I mean, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you'll get there and be, it'll just be awesome. But for most people, let me let you know a little secret. Most people show up at a small group, a connect group, and it's, it's awkward. And they want to play an icebreaker game. And you're like, I'm not into icebreakers. I'm out of here. And, 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 and the, you know, somebody thinks they've got some deep insight into scripture and they're wrong and you know they're wrong and you're like, do I tell them or what? And, 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 and you're like, the whole night you're trying to figure out what do I do with this group of people? It's awkward. It's difficult. But a lot of really worthwhile things are also really difficult things, aren't they? And those may be the very people that God wants to use to shape you, to stir you, to build you up. And so I would encourage you that you would become a part of a connect group, and that as you get ready for that first connect group, you go not with this ideal of this is going to be easy, this is going to be simple, my BFF is waiting for me, whatever, you know. But you go with the idea of this is going to be hard, it's probably going to be awkward, you're probably not going to like the first week or the second week, maybe by the third week, 
right? And you go with a realistic expectation of, I'm not going to meet with perfect people. In fact, I'm probably going to meet with about a dozen other people who feel the exact same way about me that I feel about them. And eventually, if we stick it out because Jesus tells us to love one another, we'll actually begin to love one another. And we'll have something deep that can't be replicated by ease, but can only be replicated because we decided that being in a community that puts pressure on us and meets needs and, and stirs us up and doesn't just leave us where we were, that provides something for our lives that can't be provided if we decided, I'm out because this is awkward. Amen, church? Amen. Would you close your eyes with me for just one moment? Perhaps you've come this morning and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. This is not a message that was, um, that was evangelistic so much in nature, but I want to turn it that way for just a moment to share with you uh, what God has done for you. Because the biggest relationship that lacks in all of our lives before we know Jesus is a relationship with God. And if you don't have a relationship with God, that's the first one that needs to be corrected. And, and when you have a relationship with God, what happens is, even though sometimes it's still awkward, it's still difficult, the, the Bible says that God brings you into his family by adopting you as his daughter or as his son. He brings you in. And so he wants to reconcile you with himself, but there is this problem, and it's this, you're rebellious. In fact, the Bible says we're all rebellious, we've all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God, and that doesn't just mean I've done one or two bad things, it means that my disposition, my bent, uh, the way that I tend to go in my life is away from God and not toward him. That's what the Bible's talking about when it describes sin. It's not just individual rules and regulations, but it's an attitude of our lives that is bent away toward God. It's our nature to run from him. And so maybe you find yourself in that position this morning where you'd say, I've run from God. Maybe you've even believed some of those um, things you've heard on the internet or, or from religious sounding people who said, well, we're all God's children and, and, and God loves everyone. And, and there's truth in this, that God does love everyone and we're all God's children in the sense that he created us all. But there's also a sense in which, in which that's not true. Because the truth of the matter is that God has children who've been made part of his family through one particular person. And that person is his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible calls Jesus God's only begotten son. It means that he's unique. There's something different about him. He's not God's son because he was created, because Jesus was never created. He's God's son because he's always been God's son. He's been in relationship with the Father forever and ever and ever. He is eternal. But his status as son means that when he came to earth and he was born as a human being and he lived and he taught and then he died and then God raised him from the dead, his status as son means that if you'll come to him by faith, he makes you a son or a daughter as well. He makes you a child of God. He brings you into the family and makes you right with God. And what that looks like is this. He cleanses all of your past sin, but not only does he cleanse your sin, he takes your nature, which was bent away from God, and he bends it toward God by putting the spirit of God in your life. The Bible expresses it this way. If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
If you are living in that old life of sin and rebellion against God, if you know that you've been, you've been running from him and you're stuck in your sin and you're separated from God and you know that you are in danger of missing out on eternal life and of heaven with him, then I wanna encourage you this morning that you would be reconciled to God. In fact, I would, do, I, would, I would plead with you, be reconciled to God, be made right with him. He's provided everything that you need for that in his son Jesus and all you must do is trust Jesus. You come to him in faith and you say, Jesus, please forgive my sin. I confess it to you. I know I've been bent away from you and from the Father, but today I confess that sin and I believe that you died for me and that God raised you from the dead. And today I'm asking you to make me new. And if you will do that, if you'll confess that Jesus is Lord and believe God raised him and you'll trust your life to him, you'll be saved. If that's you, you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus and you want to begin that relationship today, I'm going to ask you to do something very simple just as a way of responding so that you don't just exit without, without, ever, kind of, without ever expressing this to God. I'm going to ask if you would just lift up your hand so that in just a minute I can pray with you. If that's you, you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, but you'd like to begin that today by faith in Him, then I'm going to ask that you just lift up your hand. Is there anybody like that? Anybody like that? You don't have that relationship. You don't have that assurance of salvation and the forgiveness of your sin. You want to begin that this morning. All right. I'm going to trust that you know the Lord then. I hope that that's true. If not, cry out to him. He will hear you. He will answer. But for us believers, I'm going to ask that you would stand with me here at the end of this service. I'm going to pray and close. And if you're not a part of a, of a connect group, there are some folks at some uh, tables just outside under the portico uh, as you exit. They're going to be out there to uh, just be available. And if you want to get involved with a connect group, if you need a place where you can know others and be loved by them, experience the affection and warmth of Christian community where you'll be spurred on in your Christian walk and you'll be stirred up to be a part of the mission, then be a part of a connect group. I encourage you, don't keep putting it off, participate. In fact, this fall is a great time because it's just six weeks. You can grit your teeth and get through six weeks, amen? Yeah, so be a part of it. And maybe you'll find that God does something in your life and you'll wanna be a part of it again and again and again. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us into the body of Christ. You've made us a family through your son, Jesus. You've called us sons and daughters. We thank you that your word says how great is the love the Father has showered on us that we should be called sons and daughters of God, and such is what we are. And we thank you, God, that we are that. And we pray, God, that you would teach us as a church to function as a family. Teach us, Lord, how to better love each other. Build up that love in us. Help us not to make excuses for not loving each other. Help us to just love each other. Help us, Lord, not to keep putting up walls of defensiveness against others, but help us, Lord, to receive them and to show them your genuine concern and affection. Jesus, we pray right now for the conviction of your Holy Spirit. I pray for the hearts of those that maybe they've been hurt by it community groups or small groups in the past or they feel spurned by other Christians and they're just not sure how to get involved in community. I pray that you would heal their hearts. 
pray that you would not allow these hurts and pains of the past to keep them from experiencing what you have designed for their growth and their benefit in the coming years. And I pray, God, that they would find the strength and courage to participate and that when they do, while it may not be easy, they would find the reward of being built up in Jesus and being cared for by the church. We pray, God, that you would teach us more and more to be a church that loves you fully as we apply that pressure to each other, that accomplishes your mission as we stir each other up, and that demonstrates genuine Christian affection, the welcoming love of God to each other. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and we believe. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. If you do have a need in your life or your body that you'd like to receive prayer for, our prayer partners will be available, some of our pastors as well. We would be happy to pray with you. Otherwise, have a great week. Go in God's grace and in His peace.